Shalom, hello, and welcome to Origin Gate Daily Podcast Wisdom's Echo. My name is Carl Whitehead. Now, currently, we are on a journey to try and develop language to describe the function of blessing. So, in our first discussions, we have investigated the function of blessing as it is presented to us within the language of the creation narrative. So, this is the first chapter of the book of Bereshit, the book of Genesis. And from this narrative, we have begun to formulate the premise that blessing unlocks potential by identifying what sits inside that which is being blessed and drawing or releasing that potential into the arena of action. So blessing unlocks life to express itself at its fullest potential. And this is something that I find truly remarkable. And as we continue in our discussions around this subject, I'm going to hopefully take you with me on a journey throughout the Torah into some amazing, just amazing and astounding places where the Torah brings us into this, the amazing potential of the sound of heaven as it can be expressed within creation through blessing. So I would like to therefore begin this present discussion with a question. Yes, does the function of blessing, when manifested as action, produce a momentary result? Is it targeted to produce a singular outcome at a specified time? Which is to say, does blessing become blessed as past tense? So I ask this question because I have often heard people relay that they were blessed, past tense, by an occurrence in their lives. They attach the act of having received a blessing as something that is only a singular event, something that happened and that is now past tense. Now, as we will begin to see, this is not how Torah defines blessing. When God speaks blessing, the sound of his voice continues to reverberate within creation and therefore the function of that blessing results in a provision of active blessing that flows through the generations. And this is, an, this is a very important idea to develop and I think that for most of us this is something that we can readily accept because we understand that God's voice sustains creation. His word sustains creation. He speaks it into being and it remains. So it continues. So the sound of his voice sits within everything that was spoken into being. So in that sense, it's not very hard for us to begin to realize that the function of blessing as an expression of his voice continues as well. So blessing is not restricted 
to the dimension of time and therefore, as we will see, should not be measured by time. So the provision of God's blessings are not locked to time. They are therefore not restricted to a singular generation. They are for all generations. So if this were not so, then the moment of blessing on the fifth and sixth day that we've talked about would have expired after the first generation had achieved their potential to continue life in the next generation. So effectively, the second generation would have been the last. This, however, is not so. Let us consider something. Let us consider something quite remarkable. Let us consider what it says in Bereshit chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. So again, this is the book of Genesis. Listen to what it says here in English. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. That's verse 2. Verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now consider again, consider from our original question before, was God speaking about the families of Avraham's generation, or was he speaking to every family in every generation that will ever be? I think this is an important question because it begins to challenge the limitation, the current limitation of our perspective in regards to these matters. Now I'm going to develop what's happening in these verses in a later podcast, but I just wanted to, to point this out to us so that we can come to terms with the reality that blessing was never designed to be a singular event. It was designed to be something that unlocks potential and then sustains the unlocking of that potential because that potential then becomes reality in action. So I'd like to turn our attention to what I believe is an essential verse in this discussion about blessing because again, who's doing the blessing here? <laughs> God's doing the blessing here and that allows us to see the framework of blessing in its fullest potential. So let's consider these consider these verses in the book of again, the book of Bereshit. This is at the very end of the creation narrative. Chapter two, verses two to three. And this is what it says in the English. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now verse three. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Blessing is designed to sustain in perpetuity because it reveals the fullness of potential into sustained, observable action. Blessing sustains. So how does the act of blessing the seventh day reveal this function to us. I just want to take a moment here just, just to read this verse, verse 3 in chapter 2 in the Hebrew, because the language is just, it's beautiful, it's delicious. 
ויברך אלוהים את יום השביעי, ויקדש אותו כבו שבת מכל מלאכתו אשר ברא אלוהים לעשות. So having now seen that uh, Elohim blessed the seventh day, how are we now able to perceive the potential that is unlocked around us when we come into the supply of this day? Because we've got to, we've got to remember here that the seventh day is a provision within creation to access something. And that the something... is the atmosphere and the framework of blessing. The, the, the sound of coming, we come into the sound of Shabbat through the voice of blessing. We always, you always enter into Shabbat through the sound of blessing. It's, it's just everything. There's everything about Shabbat is blessing. It's remarkable. It's amazing. So what I want to do here is to, to find, because again, our discussion is about developing language. It's about our capacity to come into discussion, the discussion of these things, the discussion, the interactive discussion of God's word with us to begin to perceive the beginning of the answer. So what I would like to do is I would like to read um, from the commentary of the Or HaChayim, which is Rabbi Chaim Ibn Atar, and he's got something that, that I think is very, a very insightful commentary on these words, Vayvarech Elohim, God blessed, God blessed the seventh day. So listen to what he has to say. So his commentary goes like this, we need to understand what is the blessing given to the seventh day. Our sages of blessed memory explain, and you'll find this in Barashis Arabah 11.2, which is cited by Rashi, that Hashem blessed it with the mana. So in the future, when the Jews would be traveling in the wilderness, they would receive a double portion of mana every Friday in honor of Shabbat. Now, these words of the sages of blessed memory are merely an illusion found in this verse. But the simple, the pashat, The simple meaning of this verse is that it is not speaking about some specific time in the future, but that Shabbos, Shabbat, is inherently blessed for all time. So there's a again, there's a provision sitting in here that is not restricted to time, but it's a moment of focus that allows us to come through something into something as well. So he continues on to say, The correct interp interpretation of the simple meaning of the verse is as follows. Consider the fact that every person in this world needs a flow of energy that sustains him. Meaning that for a person to live, he must meet the requirements of eating, drinking and all other human needs. Now, all of these supplies that sustain life are obtained through physical effort and toil, which is mundane and therefore not befitting the holy Shabbos, holy Shabbat. But if one does not work on Shabbat, from where will he obtain what he needs to survive that day? This is a very good question. Therefore, when Hashem wanted to sanctify the seventh day, he first blessed it in the sense that nothing should be lacking on it. What does that sound like? That sounds like the unlocking of some sort of potential. 
That is, even though the physical good of this lowly world is generally achieved not by withdrawing from the world and sanctifying oneself, but rather by engaging in the mundane activity that defines this word, even so, Hashem blessed Shabbat that it should lack no physical good. Rather, if one withdraws from the world and sanctifies oneself on Shabbat, the work that one does on the other six days will suffice to supply all that one needs for Shabbat as well. This is a wonderful, great idea. And they talk about this, that Shabbat sustains the days around it. So what the Or Chachayim here is talking about and starting to draw out of this idea of what is blessing is that it creates or unlocks the potential of every other day around Shabbat so that Shabbat can in turn unlock something else in us. So he goes on to say, Moreover, Shabbat is even superior to the other days in that we have two loaves of bread at every meal, three meals instead of the standard two meals, and extra delicacies. This then is the blessing of Shabbat, and it is something that is opposite of the ordinary pattern of nature. Usually one must work in order to obtain food and other human needs. For Shabbat though, not only are our needs provided without work, but more food is provided for it than for the other days of the week. So Or HaChayim offers another way to understand the blessing of Shabbat. According to what is explained in the Zohar, so volume 288a, that the flow of blessing for all six workdays comes down from heaven on the Shabbat day. That is what is meant when the verse says, and he blessed it. For it is through Shabbat that Hashem bestows the blessing for the sustenance of of the world so again something remarkable is going on here that we we need to start investigating we need to start investigating which Anna and our investigation leads us to develop the language to express the greater reality of life that is sitting inside the framework of blessing that sits inside what is blessed because that's the important thing here. God says, Hashem says here in verse 3 of chapter 2, God blessed the seventh day. Therefore, there is the framework of blessing that sits on that day is sustained throughout time. Time doesn't limit it. Our perception doesn't limit it. But when we turn ourselves to begin to inquire of God, what do you mean when you say this day is blessed? It begins to unlock within us the capacity to perceive what the function of that blessing is as an extension of his desire towards us to allow us to come into something more, to allow us to come into a greater living expression of who we are in our relationship and in our walk with God. And that's amazing. And incredible to me to, to realize that we have the capacity to have that type of investigation, to ask these types of questions, and to expect that the beginning of the answer will start to reveal itself to us because we have turned our hearts towards 
the framework of something that God has given to us as a supply for us, as a supply for all of creation. So, blessing unlocks potential. Blessing is not defined or restricted to singular time. It's not contained within the restriction of time. It's not something that is a singular event. It is designed to be something that it unlocks potential and sustains the unlocking of that potential throughout the generations. I look forward to continuing to develop this idea and see what other wonderful, wonderful mysteries are sitting within the Torah. How wonderful is his Torah to us. Baruch Hashem. Shalom.